0: All right, good morning. Uh, My name is Bryce Hales. I'm the pastor here at Resurrection OC. So glad you're here. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, I would love to to get that opportunity at the end of the service. This summer, we we have just started a series in the book of Psalms called the Songs of Summer. Uh, These Psalms, the 150 Psalms in the Old Testament uh, were originally songs and they talk about uh, a variety of life experiences. And we're looking at the Psalms this summer and we're asking how can we sing, how can we sing no matter what life throws at us? And uh, Psalm 46 that we're gonna be looking at this morning helps us uh, come to terms with what does it mean, what does it look like to sing when we are busy? Um, Is anybody here busy? Well, Psalm 46 is for you. So let me invite you to stand with me, and I'm gonna read Psalm 46. We stand, um, it's our practice here at Resurrection of Sea to stand when we read God's word, because we hear a lot of words in our world. Uh, We talk, and we hear words, and we stand when God's word is being read because we're wanting to acknowledge that these words are different. That these are not the words of a human being, but these are the words of God himself. So listen to Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is God's word. He gives it because he loves us. Let us pray together. Oh God, would you speak to us now through your word that your people have sung for thousands of years. God, would you um, help us not just to learn more information, but would you help us to know that you are good. Would we feel you embracing us. God, would you melt away the cares the restlessness, the anxiousness of our world. Would you melt it away and help us to see Jesus, we pray in his name. Amen. You may be seated, please. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about rest. The Bible has a lot to say about rest. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and a heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Um, Rest is one of the Ten Commandments, uh, you know, the kind of the big ten. I was uh, talking to a guy last week, a, w- a couple weeks ago. He was telling me, you know, I grew up, I went to church every week. Now that I'm an adult, I'm not really a religious person, uh, but, you know, I live by the Ten Commandments. Uh, he, he's saying, you know, I don't really get carried away with all the details, but the, the big ten, you know. Uh, I just kind of, I know that there's a God, and I try to live my life by the, by the Ten Commandments. I said, oh, what about the fourth commandment? He looked at me with a blank stare. <laughs> Said, "You know the fourth commandment, honor the Sabbath." Um. He, uh, what, w- what, a commentary in our world that somebody could be undone by, by being asked, "Well, do you rest?" <laughs> um. The fourth commandment, one of the big ten. God says, "One day out of seven, my people are going to rest." God says, "We need a rest." To be fully human. Why does God say that? Do Do you remember the opening chapters of the Bible? It says that God created and it was good, and it was good, and it was good, and it was very good. And God created the heavens and earth in six days, and on the seventh day, He rested. Now, why did God rest? Well, creating the heavens and the earth is a lot of work, right? Surely He must have been tired. He just needed to check out. He needed to go down to Mexico for a long weekend, right? No, God doesn't get tired. Why did God rest? Not because he was tired, but because he was done. He worked, and it was finished. And so he rested. Throughout the Bible, God tells us that we need rest, that we are not fully human without rest. And we need to hear it, because we are busy, running around, crazy, frantic people. Nothing defines the day and age that we live in as much as our busyness. I talk to people all the time who say that they're busy. Um, you know, when you ask somebody, how are you? There's only one acceptable response. Busy. I'm, I'm fine, but, you know, busy. If somebody doesn't say they're busy, it's like, what's wrong with this guy? Why isn't he busy? <laughs> what a non-contributing zero. What does what he get with it, man? Why aren't you busy? We're busy people. We live in a chaotic world. Uh, Somebody asks us how we're doing we say we're busy. It's a boast uh, disguised as a complaint. It's what we use to tell ourselves that we are good enough. And when the Bible invites us to rest, you know, it's easy to hear that and think, well, yeah, that would be really nice, wouldn't it? Uh, Yeah, I would love to rest, but I can't. I mean, I have kids. I got to work. I live in one of the most expensive places in the world uh, to live. I got to work. I got to work. I got to work. Yeah, it's all great, Pastor, to hear you stand up on Sunday morning and talk about rest. I wish I could do it, but I just can't. I've got so much to do. I can't rest. I don't have a choice. And so we go like crazy, but then uh, we work hard. But what does the bumper sticker say? Work hard, play harder right and so we, uh, we, we, we just fill ourselves with our, our lives with frenetic work and busy and going and going and going and then occasionally we think oh we'll just check out and we kind of live this like spring break inspired um, insanity uh, we think that leisure is the response the, the, the proper response to our busyness, but it doesn't work uh, on Fourth of July this past week, we were hanging out with some neighbors, and uh, one of our neighbors was talking about they had just got back from a, a week in Mexico. And somebody said, "Oh, were you on vacation?" And he said, "Well, we traveled." You know, what's he saying? He says uh, he's saying that going on vacation with kids is a lot of work, and um, kids don't they don't want to just lie by the pool and relax. So you got to go, go, go on vacation. You got to fill the time with activities, and so you get back home and you realize. We spent way more money than we intended to. And we didn't rest at all. We traveled, but we didn't have a vacation. We're exhausted. We think that leisure is the answer to our busyness. And I think that that is in part why we let our kids' schedules (laughs) dominate our lives. We think, ah, they're just playing. They're just playing soccer. They're just going to dance. It's just Cub Scouts. It's It's just play, right? Um, How bad could it be? It's leisure, but then for our kids' leisure, we gotta drive to Temecula for dance, and then we gotta rush to Redlands for soccer, and our children's play is wiping us out. We wear our busyness like a badge. It makes us feel like we're important, and yet we loathe it. We think the solution is leisure. We work, and we work, and we work, and then occasionally we punctuate our busyness with a spring break inspired uh, check out from life and yet it's never enough and Psalm 46 tells us why Psalm 46 shows us that we have misdiagnosed the problem you know if you go to the doctor and you want, I went to the doctor this week I said my ear's bugging me could you do that thing where you clean out the wax I hope that's not TMI and the doctor says well let me look at it she says you don't have any wax in your ear you have an ear infection Okay, you've got to get the problem right if you're going to find the solution. And Psalm 46 shows us that busyness is not our problem. If busyness was our problem, then just stopping work, stopping our busyness would bring rest, right? But why is it so hard for us to stop? And why doesn't it satisfy us when we actually do? We think that the problem is busyness and the solution is leisure. But the problem isn't busyness, it's restlessness. Busyness is, is a, a circumstance is external to ourselves, but restlessness is something that happens in our hearts. If you want a cure, you've got to get an accurate diagnosis. Chaotic busyness, punctuated by occasional moments of lavish leisure, will, not, will never give you rest. They'll never bring you satisfaction. They will never satisfy our inner restlessness. You know, people who study sleep patterns say that it takes time to develop deep sleep. Um, I mean, think about it like this. You could take one, or you could take eight one-hour naps a day, and how would you feel? You'd be a wreck. (laughs) You could take 15 one-hour naps a day, and it wouldn't matter. It takes 90 minutes to get into REM sleep. Um, it takes time to really rest. How can we get that kind of REM sleep for the soul? Psalm 46 tells us. And the first thing that Psalm 46 does is it helps us to see what the real problem is. Listen to the Psalm. What is he talking about? Uh, listen to some of the, 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 select, some of the words of the Psalm. What, what's going on? What kind of situation is being described in Psalm 46? Verse 1 talks about um, what do you do when you face trouble? Verse 2 talks about the earth giving way, mountains crashing into the sea. In verse 3, it says, the waters roar and foam. As we read further, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter, wars ravage. What is it talking about? It's talking about a world that is deeply, deeply troubled. Uh, What it's saying is, we live in a world that is deeply, deeply chaotic. Uh, It's talking about a deep restlessness. What it's talking about is living in a world where the future is uncertain, where our jobs are uncertain, where the future of our families is precarious, where the future of our country is unknown. It's talking about living in the midst of busyness and restlessness and deep uncertainty. It's a world that we know really well, don't we? Um, we tend to think that we are unique. Um, you know, in the 21st century, that we are more busy than, than people have ever been. And there's some, I think, some justification to that. Um, one of the big things that we face, uh, it's it just the reality of um, job insecurity and wage disparity. You know, there was a time when if you got a job... Uh, you could be pretty well guaranteed that if you put in the time, that that job would be stable and secure and it would cover the, you know, your, the, your family's needs, but that's no longer the case, is it? It used to be that the, that the CEO, the highest paid employee in a company, made about 10 times what the lowest paid person in a company made. Now statistically, the highest paid person in a company makes about 250 times more than the lowest paid person in the company. What does that do to us? Well, it puts both people, uh, people at both ends of the spectrum, and everybody in between, uh, it, 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 there's an additional burden on us. Uh, the person at the low end of the spectrum now has got to work two or three jobs part time just to make ends meet. But the person at the upper end of the spectrum has got to work ridiculous hours, nonstop, never take a break. Why? Because how could you justify that kind of compensation? Um, the nature of our jobs has changed. Uh, technology, technology has changed our, the way that we work. Um, it used to be that when you left the work, office, you left the work, there wasn't really much you could do at home. Now, it's almost impossible to get away from work. I was reading an article that was written a couple of years ago, and it was talking about oh my gosh, technology is overwhelming us, and my Palm Pilot, you know? like, <laughs> my Palm Pilot? <laughs> like, the Palm Pilot is the technological problem in our world. No, our, we cannot get away from it, can we? We cannot get away from it. Um, situations outside of ourselves, the world that we live in makes us feel incredibly busy, but there's something that's also happened within us. Um, it used to be that people looked for meaning, for enjoyment, for rest in their relationships with their family, in their relationships with their community, and being a part of a, um, you know, for some people, uh, it's being a part of a church, right? We look to our relations, our connections to other people to give our lives meaning. But now what do we look to to give our lives significance? It's our work, right? It's our kids. It's what we do. It's what we produce. And so there is uh, not just added pressure outside of ourselves, but there is this inner angst within us as well that drives us to work and work and work. There's more pressure from within. So there are, I think, some unique reasons that it's hard for us to rest, and yet we have to also acknowledge that this is not a modern problem. I mean, it's described right here in the psalm. Psalm 46 is 3,000 years old. Um, And it goes back even beyond that. It's a problem that is as old as humanity. St. Augustine, who was a bishop and pastor in the 4th century, said this. He put it like this. We were made for you, O God, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. There is a deep inner anxiety in each one of us because we are trying to build our significance apart from the God who created us. And we will find no rest. I read an article in the Atlantic Monthly this week. It said this, Busyness serves as a kind of existential reassurance, a hedge against emptiness. Obviously, your life cannot possibly be silly or trivial or meaningless if you are so busy, completely booked in demand every hour of the day. I can't help but wonder whether all this exhaustion isn't a way of covering up the fact that most of what we do does not really matter. How does that hit you? The problem is not that we are busy. The problem is that we are restless. And we are restless because deep down every one of us is deeply afraid that we do not matter. So what do we do when well, we just do something? It doesn't really matter what. Just, just. Get. Jesus is coming. Look busy. You know in a soccer game when it comes down to penalty kicks you know what a penalty kick is? One on one with the goalie from 18 yards out. Statistically, the goalie has no chance of saving that shot. You know, 90% of penalty kicks, uh, you know, result in goal. And so what does the goalie do? He stands there. He's got no chance statistically. And so he just picks a direction and dives. Better to dive somewhere than just to stand there looking stupid while they score on you, right? And that's what our busyness is. It doesn't really matter what you do. Just do something. Don't just stand there. If you just stand there, you might actually have to deal with your own inner restlessness. We work because deep down each of us is afraid that we don't matter, that we are worthless. And so we kick against it. We are determined to prove that we matter. And so we work. There's nothing wrong with work. The Bible talks a lot about doing good work. It's overwork. It's work that can't stop. It's working to find our significance. Listen, I know what I'm talking about because I'm talking about myself. Almost every day I get home from work later than I intend to. I find it nearly impossible to stop looking at my phone. We're sitting having dinner and my wife's like, can you just put it down for a minute? I've tried everything I can think of. I've taken email off my phone and I still find ways to get around it. Um, why? Why? Somebody recently asked me, um, you know, what is the worst case scenario for you? Uh, I mean, somebody said, so say you're, you're starting this church, right? Say it doesn't work. Say the church doesn't make it. What's the worst that can happen? So said, what do you mean what's the worst that can happen? I did mean, not words to describe how awful that would be, right? Oh, it means I'm a failure. That's the worst thing that can happen. And so I stay busy, I can't stop because it's the only way I know to proved to myself that I'm not a failure. What did uh, Rocky Balboa say in the old movie? Why did why did he have to go the distance against Apollo Creed so he could tell himself that he's not a bum? We work to quiet the restlessness in our souls by covering it with our accomplishments and it will never work. When we work to cover the quiet inner murmur that tells us that we're not enough, we are turning our back on God and we will be restless. And you know, let me just say this. this um, for no one is this more true than for religious people. Um, religious people are people who say, I have got to have the favor of God so I better get to work. And we think if we do the right things, if we work hard, if we are good, that God has to bless us that God has to reward us. And it's never enough. And so religious people are people who are always trying to do more, always working. We can never rest. There is no rest for the religious. Listen, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is the end of religion. Because look at what it says in verse 10. Be still. Be still. And know that I am God. Religious people are people who think that if they know enough, that God has to reward them. Religious people are people who know that there is a God. Surely there's a God. He's out there somewhere. He's not really that happy with me. I better get to work. But a Christian is a person who doesn't just know about God, but knows God. A Christian is a person who knows God, and so he or she can be still. Do you actually know, God? You know, the busyness of our lives would, uh, would indicate the answers. You know, maybe not. Maybe not. Busyness is, the pro- is not the problem. Busyness is a symptom. The problem is our own inner restlessness, our longing to know that we are enough. So what's the solution? Well, I'm going to tell you. Psalm 46 lays out the solution. But I feel like before I tell you the solution, I need to say this. Um, I'm pretty sure that half of you aren't even listening to what I'm about to say. You're not going uh, Half of you are convinced that uh, what I'm about to say won't work for you. Uh, and so you're going to sit politely and you're going to leave and you're going to go back to the busyness and you're going to be like, that was weird, <laughs> whatever. Um, because you think I'm going to tell you that... Um, you've just got to stop. You know, just muster up the willpower and just knock it off. Uh, you've got to move somewhere that's not so busy. You've got to ditch the smartphone. You've got to, you know, change. You've got to become Amish, basically. Um, and you don't want to become Amish. And so you're going to sit politely and then you're going to return to the hectic, chaotic, busy, and you're going to tell yourself that you don't have a choice. But can I tell you a story? in uh, in the the height of the civil rights movement. One of the turning points in the civil rights movement was um, the march from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama. And the protesters marched 54 miles from Selma to the state capitol in uh, in Montgomery. And it was hot and it was long. And uh, because of that, the organizers had had arranged a bus to come along and pick people up who had started off on this journey and couldn't make it. And uh, there was an older woman named Mother Pollard. They called her Mother Pollard. And, uh, And she's walking and it's hot and she's tired. And Martin Luther King came and said, why don't you just get on the bus? You don't have to walk the whole way. He said, Mother Pollard, aren't you tired? And she said, yes. My feet is tired, but my soul is at rest. Didn't you know that you can be at rest even when your feet hurt? Did you know that it's possible to be at rest even when you're tired? Did you know that it's, it's possible to be at rest not by leaving the busyness of the world? It is possible to find rest even in the midst of it. How can you get that kind of deep R.E.M. sleep for your soul? We'll look at Psalm 46 again. In the context of the chaos of our world and the restlessness of our hearts, Psalm 46 does not even hint, it doesn't even dare to suggest that the answer is to get away from the busyness or the chaos of the world that we live in. But look at what it does say verse 1 God is our refuge and our strength verse 4 there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God and there's the refrain it's a song right it's the chorus verse 7 and verse 11 are repeated the lord of hosts is with us the god of jacob is our fortress what does it look like to experience gospel rest there are two words protection and satisfaction. Rest looks like protection, and gospel rest looks like satisfaction. Protection. God is our fortress. He is our refuge. God does not remove us from the chaos of the world around us, but he protects us in the midst of it. He doesn't remove us from our circumstances, but he protects them despite them. If you think that you are the one who protects yourself, if you think that you are the one who protects your family, then you will never rest. You know how you can rest? You know why you can rest? How how do you sleep at night? You know why you can sleep at night? Because God never sleeps. He is the one who protects you. If you think that it's up to you that you have to work because you're the one who puts food on the table, and if you don't work... Your job is at risk and there's plenty of other people who want it and so it's up to you. You will never rest. And Psalm 46 comes and says, you don't protect yourself. You don't protect your family. God is the one who provides for you. He will not let you down. He provides for you. He protects you. He is your refuge. You have a father who loves you. You have a father who loves you. He will not let you down. He provides for you. This week um, some of you saw this uh, we put this on social media on on, uh, the 4th of July my daughter um, some neighbors got this inflatable water slide it was awesome three of my kids went down at the same time and my daughter ended up at the bottom of the pile and split her lip open and so uh, we spent some time at urgent care on the 4th of July and my daughter's three and we go in there and she's scared and she's anxious and she doesn't know what's going on. And so I sat down on the chair and I just held her. And I sang in her ear as the doctor stitched her up. She just got calm, she relaxed, she was fine. Why? Because she has a father who holds her. She has a father who cares for her. Do you know that you have a father who protects you? You'll only be still when you know Him. Religious people can never be still. Only those who know God can rest. You can find solace in the midst of the chaos of life. You can know rest for your restlessness because it's not up to you. God cares more for you than you care for yourself. Do you believe that? God doesn't want you to starve. He doesn't want you to go broke. He provides for you. He protects you. He is your protector. Rest looks like protection. But the other thing we see here is that rest means satisfaction. There is a river whose water makes glad the city of God. There's a water that quenches our thirst in the parched and dry desert. There is a river that brings satisfaction, that quenches the thirst of that inner longing. I heard about a group of pastors who were at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena to hear the Rolling Stones play. (laughs) There's a group of pastors, and they're there watching the Rolling Stones, and and there's 85,000 people at the Rose Bowl to watch the Rolling Stones. And one of the pastors looks to the other one and says, you know, there's 85,000 people here in Pasadena. You know, this Sunday, in every church in Pasadena, there will not be 85,000 people gathered to worship God. He said, why do you think 85,000 people Won't, aren't interested in coming uh, to church this Sunday. And the other pastor kind of paused to think about it. And as he thought about it, Mick Jagger began to sing, I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. And I try and I try and I try and I try. We are looking for satisfaction and we cannot get any. This is so silly, this is so stupid, but almost every night I stay up way too late watching videos on YouTube that just don't matter. And my eyes start to droop and I'm like, why? I just, okay, I should go to bed, but I'll just one more. Why? Why can't I just close the screen? because something in me thinks that I'm going to miss out on the thing that will finally bring satisfaction. We can never rest because we're afraid of missing out on the thing that will finally satisfy. What if I actually rest and I miss out on something great? That's why we're so busy. That's why we can't say no. What if we miss out? I can't get no satisfaction. But the rest of the gospel promises this. God will satisfy your every longing. There is a river that makes glad the city of God. What the city of God is? The people of God. There is a river that quenches the thirst of our inner longing. It will satisfy. The promise of gospel rest is this. For Christians, it is impossible. It is impossible to ever look back on your life and regret what you missed out on. Okay. Does that mean you will never miss anything? Of course not. You will miss things, but you will never look back with regret and saying, I missed out. The love of God will overwhelm your sadness. The love of God will outshine that thing that you think will give you pleasure. The love of God will fill your life with significance and imbue every moment of your life with meaning. God will be more faithful than any friend, any lover, any relationship. The love of God brings more comfort than a bigger house. Those who are in Christ will never look back with regret at having missed out because the rest of Jesus is the only thing that can bring lasting satisfaction. That's the good news of the gospel. God wants to satisfy his people. Now you might think, well, that sounds really great, but how do I actually know that that's true? I mean, that'd be nice if that was real, but how do I know that's real? Well, you know it's real because of the cost. You know it's real, what is it because, because of what it costs God to satisfy you? You know it's real because what it costs God to protect you. What is the cost of your protection and your satisfaction? does it cost you anything. But it costs God everything. On the cross, we see what it costs God to give us rest. On the cross, Jesus doesn't get protection. He gets stripped naked. He gets humiliated. He gets tortured. He gets killed. He gave up his life to protect you from anything that this world can throw throw at you. He gave up his life to purchase for you a life of significance. He paid the debt that you owe, God. The cross means that you are utterly safe because of the price that Jesus paid for you. But the cross also shows us the cost of satisfaction. On the cross, Jesus cries out, I thirst. He is unsatisfied. He is utterly unsatisfied hanging on the cross. He is abandoned by the world. He is abandoned by his friends. And even God himself turns his back on Jesus as he hangs on the cross. He is utterly unsatisfied. Why? Why? It's a, what you're seeing is what it costs God in order to bring you satisfaction. The cost that Jesus paid is the guarantee that God will never turn his back on you. It's the price he paid to ensure that you will be satisfied. In every moment of inner restlessness, look to the cross. Look to the cross and see Jesus taking your fear, your doubt, your shame, your humiliation, your longing upon Himself. On the cross, we see the price that Jesus paid, giving up His very life to give you rest. You have nothing to fear because Jesus has taken upon Himself the worst thing that could ever happen to you. You'll never truly rest until you know that. You know, no vacation will bring lasting satisfaction until you know the rest that Jesus bought for you on the cross. You will never quiet the inner longing of your heart until you know the love of God as he has made it clear to you in Jesus. That is what you need if you're ever going to rest. There is inner work that God needs to do in each one of us if we are ever going to find rest, if we are ever going to be still. Okay, but what should we do? Okay, how should we actually rest if leisure is not the solution what does gospel rest look like Well, the first thing you, ha- you have to know that inner rest that Jesus lived and died and rose again for you or you will never know peace but once you know that peace there are three things that I want to tell you that, you that will enable you to find rest in life but before I tell you what, you are, I, what they are uh, these kind of external practices that will allow you to rest I just want to warn you that as soon as I tell you what you are what they are, you are going to be disappointed um, I don't have any magic like secret answers um, but let me tell you this story um, I read this article in two thousand eleven the um, Customs and Border Patrol uh, in, in an effort to stop the um, influx of drugs from South from South America, Mexico, into the United States. The Customs and Border Patrol built a fence on the U.S.-Mexico border in Arizona. This was before the President said anything about building the wall, so please don't send me anything pro or con. I don't care what you think about the fence. Okay? This is before that. Customs and Border Patrol builds a fence to keep drugs out of the United States. And uh, they built this is the most high tech fence anybody's ever built. You know, you can't climb this fence, you can't get under this fence. This fence has got motion sensors, it's got video cameras. Uh, they can monitor it from headquarters. Uh, they don't even have to be there. And this fence is so amazing that it will do its thing. And one day, the Customs and Border Patrol agents are watching from the air conditioned headquarters on the security cameras and they see, they begin to see these things flying over the fence, and they go out to investigate, and 50-pound bales of marijuana are flying over this fence, and they go out there, and um, on the south side of the border, drug smugglers have brought out a catapult, and they are launching bales of marijuana over this fence. The most high-tech fence money can buy was defeated by ancient technology. So let me give you some low tech solutions to your high tech busyness problem. Okay? I want to offer you some low tech solutions to the frenetic busyness that technology and everything else brings into our lives. And the first thing is this this is not rocket science, but you just have to take time off. Um, whatever it is that you do, just stop doing it. The Bible lays out the pattern of one day and seven, 24 hours a week. God has said, my people are going to be characterized as people who can rest. Um, The Israelites were the first people in human history to take a day off. They've been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And God brought them out. They had not had a day off in 400 years. And God brought them out and said, okay, here's what I want you to do. Every week I want you to rest. Just stop working. You need unstructured time. You need times... Of sheer inactivity let me just say this if you're an introvert it means you need alone time or let me put it like this better if you are married to an introvert your spouse needs alone time um, I can say a lot, I'm an introvert I can say a lot more about that you know go fishing go hiking but if you're a park ranger don't do those things because that's work don't go, you know, go to the beach but if you're a lifeguard don't go to the beach you need time where you're just not doing anything. Um, but secondly, you need worship. Um, and there, there is a corporate aspect. This is what we're doing now. We gather on Sundays for corporate worship. And there's also private worship, you know, finding time with God in His Word and prayer. If you don't understand gospel rest, that just sounds like one more thing on your to do list. Um. You know, oh, that sounds like another good thing I need to do. Uh, But God, I'm so busy. I just, I can't do it. I don't have time. I don't have time. If you don't understand gospel rest, worship will seem to you like just one more thing you've got to do. You'll loathe it. You'll make excuses. You'll tell yourself you're too busy. But when you understand gospel rest, you'll see that worship is central to lasting rest. You cannot truly rest without it. Um, You've got to remember who you are. I come to church, I mean, I come to church every week because it's my job. But I come to church every week because I need it. This is the only place where you hear the truth about who you really are. I mean, think, like, I know that sounds like a ridiculous statement, but think about, like, moms. Mom, why is there no food in the house? What are you talking about? I just cooked you dinner. Yeah, but there's no food, Mom. You just ate. Yeah, but I'm hungry now. Who are you? Are you a person who feeds your children and fails continually? That's not who you are. This is the only place in your life that you regularly hear that you are not just the substance of your latest failure. Church is important. Uh, Church is not less important than a previous time when people weren't as busy. It's more important because it's the only place in the world that we live in that says... You are accepted. You are loved. You are cared for. Gospel rest comes from joy in what God has done. And worship is necessary to remind us what God has done for us. I need to stand up here and listen to myself. I'm so glad that God called me to be a pastor because I don't think I would spend the time studying God's word if I didn't have to. I need the regular reminder that rest comes from joy in what God has done for, for me. Worship enables us to lift our gaze off of ourselves and our busyness and our troubles and our whatever is going on in our lives and remind us that there is a God who loves us and who cares for us. Thirdly, finally, it's the last thing I'm going to say, um, Gospel rest means at some point you're going to miss something, okay? I know I said earlier that, that um, gospel rest means you will never look back on your life with regret over what you missed out on. But there is a difference between missing out and missing things. At some point, if you're really going to take rest seriously, if you're going to find real rest, you're going to have to miss something. You're going to have to say no. Um, you're going to miss out on some source of income, some potential client some, maybe some promotion. You're going to miss out on time with somebody. You're going to miss out on some experience that from the outside promises to be awesome. You're going to miss out. Not lastingly, but you're going to have to miss something. You're going to have to risk falling behind. Uh, Maybe God will let you fall behind. Maybe he won't. You're going to have to risk it. But the final word won't be regret. It will be satisfaction. It will be rest. We live in a world that says you can have it all. The reality is we can't. We know we can't. You cannot do everything. We have to learn to say no. But when we learn that the problem in our life is not busyness, it's restlessness. And the solution isn't therefore leisure, but it is Gospel rest knowing that God is the one who has worked for us then we can rest then we can say no without fear of regret we live in a world that says it's all up to you our hearts tell us that if we can just hold out a little bit longer isn't it what every one of us thinks as we work and we work and we work I'm six months away from it just getting it's going to be fine in six months and six months comes and goes and it's never enough It's like the killer's song, when you can't hold on, when you can't hold on, just hold on. That's like the most depressing lyric I can think of. (laughs) You just said I can't hold on, just white knuckle it out. The invitation of gospel rest is to open our hands and let go. And the promise of the gospel is that when you open your hands and let go, that your life will not spiral into the free fall that you fear but that you will find yourself held by the one who has worked on your behalf. He holds you. He protects you. He satisfies you. And he loves you. Let's pray. God, we are busy, frenetic, chaotic, anxious people. We live in a world that says we only have value if we're busy. But God, the problem is worse than that. We aren't just busy, we're restless. And so God, I pray that this morning, that your word would sink in, that it would speak louder than the words we hear all around us that say, satisfy that restlessness by what you do. God would we hear your voice above the clatter, the noise, the chaos inviting us to rest maybe as we've listened to these words in the last few minutes maybe as we sing these last few songs God would you satisfy us would you show us that Jesus is enough that he has bought our rest would you do that God We cannot do it ourselves. Would you help us to be still because we know that you're God. In Jesus' name we pray.